Hello and welcome to True North EV, Jason. Uh, how are you today? I'm well, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, so just to get started right away, what was the first electric vehicle you wanted and why? Uh, you know, I started off looking at the Nissan Leaf a fair bit. Uh, you know, this was, was kind of a, several years before we ended up getting something. Uh, but, you know, I thought it was really interesting. And I mean, of course, the Nissan Leaf was, was kind of the first mainstream fully electric vehicle. And so I think it was kind of fascinating from that perspective. And, and uh, so were you kind of that techie person or environmental reasons? Yeah, so I work in IT. So, uh, you know, I'm always interested by, by kind of new technologies and always trying to kind of stay on the cutting edge, as it were, of, uh, of new techniques and technologies that are available out there. Uh, but, you know, also also for environmental reasons, right? Uh, you know, my, my daughter was born in 2014. And so, you know, I think that kind of, you know, uh, gave a little bit of a, a newfound impetus to, to, you know, realize the seriousness of climate change uh, and, you know, want to try and take some action for ourselves. Awesome. And, and what kind of current uh, EV do you currently have? Yeah, so eventually uh, I started reading more about the Chevy Bolt EV. Uh, and that would have been, I guess, in fall of 2016. Um, and kind of right after that, we started test driving vehicles. And so we kind of spent, we spent almost a year test driving, you know, kind of whatever models we could, could get our hands on here in Saskatchewan. Um, and then eventually we did end up going with, with a Chevy Bolt EV uh, in December 2017. And so that's, uh, that's one of the, the plug-in vehicles that, that we still drive today. And the Bolt is your first? full electric that you've owned, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and what kind of range uh, are you getting with that? Uh, you know, in, in summer we can get, you know, in the city, you know, we can get, you know, probably three, 340, 320 uh, kilometers uh, on, on a range. Uh, you know, in, on the highways, we're probably kind of between the 250 to 300 kilometer mark typically, uh, you know, depending on our speed and the weather yeah. and those sorts of things. So. Uh, you know, in winter, you know, we're usually, you know, closer to the 200 kilometer range in the, in the city, you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit above that for, for highway travel, 220, that sort of thing, again, depending on speed and weather and, and so on. Which isn't too bad. You could still get from Reg or Saskatoon to Regina on a full charge in the winter, correct? Yeah, so uh, what was it last, not, not this past Christmas, of course, due to COVID, but the Christmas before I actually uh, traveled back to, we have family in, in Manitoba. And so uh, I drove it back to, to Manitoba for Christmas. Uh, and I, I drove through Moose Jaw instead of driving through through Regina. Um, but, but yeah, otherwise, you know, that was that was a good trip and we were able to take the fast charge network uh, over to visit, visit family for Christmas. Nice. And I've heard that the Bolt has a slower fast charge deal. I know with my Kona, if I wanted to go from about 10 to 15% up to 100%, I was usually looking at just over an hour at the Petro Canada. How, ha how was the bolt on those? Yeah, so the first time that we, we drove it back to Manitoba, we only had the one fast charger that we could use in Regina. Uh, and so we charged for about two hours to get to 100% full. Uh, there, which, you know, of course, is still far better than the, the eight or nine hours that would have taken on a level two yeah. charger. Um, and then, you know, we just did a few level twos kind of on the Trans Canada on, on the way back. 
uh, and that was with a 50 kilowatt charger. So it, so that's about how long it would take to 100%. Uh, but but you know now typically we don't have to do that now that we have the faster chargers, and it does go up to 55 kilowatts. Uh, I've actually seen it hit 56 kilowatts, you know, briefly, okay. occasionally. So not uh, too bad. No, that's you know it's it's a it's a reasonable speed, and you know in summer when when we're driving on the highway you know, we can, we can get to, to about 65, 70%, you know, in about 30 to 40 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, and then that's kind of when, you know, the curve starts to, starts to, to hit you a little bit more. And it's, it's good to be able to kind of move on to the next charging station after that point. So. And especially now that there's more Petrocan locations and other fast chargers, like I know you guys just had uh, the co-op, uh, co-op connect, I believe is what they're being called. Uh, just open up a few locations on Highway One. I, has the one in Saskatoon opened also? Yeah. So we had. So of course we had the the Petro Canada stations open up. We had uh, the the Tesla superchargers open up as well. The Co-op Connect uh, stations opened up in the middle of or middle to late March here as well, um, which is nice because uh, previously Petro Canada wasn't serving Maple Creek in Saskatchewan. Uh, whereas Co-op Connect is going to do that now. And so that means that, you know, for every community where there's a supercharger on the Trans-Canada, there's also a universal fast charger as well, which is nice. Uh, but yeah, that's still a little bit of the struggle is that, you know, we've got, you know, three providers uh, providing a variety of stations on the Trans-Canada in Saskatchewan right now, uh, but we don't have a lot north. We have uh, yeah. a Tesla supercharger in Davidson, which is about halfway between Regina and Saskatoon. Um, but beyond that, it's just kind of dealership units and, and we don't have, have much yet, but that should change this year. So I know I'm hoping for North Battleford or Lloyd, those two spots, then I'll be set. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had announcements just in the last few weeks here on that as well. So Canadian Tire announced a little while ago that they were planning to build a station in, in North Battleford, as well as kind of several other communities where they have Canadian Tire locations uh, in the province. Uh, and then we also heard that, that Tesla is building uh, supercharger stations uh, in kind of several of the communities on, on the corridor between Saskatoon. And I think it actually extends all the way to Jasper in Alberta. Uh, and because they, they went and applied for the NRCAN funding, uh, it means that 25% of those stalls uh, need to be universal fast chargers. Uh, and so they're going to be joint uh, Tesla superchargers uh, with some, some universal uh, fast chargers as well. So, so that'll be nice, you know, having that, uh, that ability on, on that stretch of Highway 16, um, yeah. you know, to be able to drive, drive to those communities. And then having a few more uh, locations as well, uh, just in other communities, you know, like Humboldt and, uh, and Estevan, you know, they're, they're looking to get uh, stations through, through Canadian tires later this year. And so I know there's a lot of EV owners who are excited about that. Nice. And what kind of vehicle did you have uh, before your Bolt? So we traded in, uh, oh, it was, a, I think it was a 2008 Toyota Yaris um, that, we, that we traded in when we got the Bolt. Okay, so kind of an upgrade, a little bit bigger of a vehicle. Yeah, a little bit of a bit bigger, you know, more of an upright, uh, you know, sitting position. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the in the Yaris, you know, you were kind of sitting back, you know, more of a traditional car kind of seating position versus the Bolt that's, you know, uh, more upright. Yeah, the Bolt's very, uh, it's a mixture of, it kind of wants to be an SUV, but kind of a car. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of call it like a micro crossover, which I mean, it's, it's just the way that the industry is going right now is, yeah. is everything's kind of moving away from the cars. And so, 
uh, you know, everything's got to become a crossover, whether the, the size really, um, you know, <laughs> thinks it yeah. dictates it as being reasonable or not. But I mean, I it does very much have the, the shape of a crossover, but uh, you I, know, I think the, the it size is the same is height as my uh, Kona. I, I oh, okay. They're the exact same height, close to the same length, but my Kona is actually classified as a crossover utility, or I think Chevy still technically classifies the Bolt as a car. It's, well, you know, it's, now they got the EUV version, but yeah, yeah. Like if you look at, I think the American, you know, classification for it, I think it's still called like a, uh, um, I can't remember exactly, but a, a wagon or that sort yeah. of a vehicle. Uh, but yeah, they, they would tend to kind of refer to it as kind of a micro crossover. They have for, for a number of years now. And yeah, now that they've kind of announced the 2022s, uh, you know, they're focusing on the EUV as being kind of the larger option, uh, you know, the next size up from the from the standard EV. So, Although I'm pretty sure your Bolt still has more luggage room than my Kona, but oh, okay. one disappointing side. But You know, um, it's one of the things I really liked about the Bolt with the cargo space was that it has the, the false floor. And, you know, when we, we got ours, it was just kind of, you know, you buy whatever shows up on the lot yeah. because inventory was so constrained at the time. Uh, and so it didn't actually come with it. And this was, you know, as silly as it might sound, it was something that I was actually really lo looking forward to in it. Uh, but it was something that we were able to buy at, buy aftermarket uh, just through our dealership. And so we got it placed in there. And, you know, it does actually give you quite a, quite a usable luggage space. You know, we can kind of store all of our, you know, emergency gear and everything else below the floor. Uh, and then when we're taking a trip or something like that, then we just remove the floor and then we have, you know, more height to work with. So. Yeah. It's the things that you don't really think about until you make that switch over to an EV is little, there's extra storage in places that you normally didn't have storage because of a gas tank or in most electrics. Now you get that frunk with it, mm -hmm. yeah, all the little sure. spaces. Um, and, and have you felt that you had to make any driving habit changes, uh, switching over to an electric? So we've been a, a two-car family the entire time. And so, uh, you know, for for the last several years, we had a Honda Odyssey in addition to our Bolt. And so, you know, once we got our Bolt, we quite liked driving it. And so, you know, we would kind of find excuses to drive it and, and try and take it as often as we could. Uh, but in instances where we needed the extra cargo space or we needed some towing capacity or we just needed some, some gasoline range, uh, then we still had that option available to us. Uh, and then this past fall, we, we replaced it with a, a used uh, 2017 Volvo XC90 plug-in hybrid. Uh, and so now we've, we've got the second plug-in, you know, we can, can use that for, for electric range, you know, just when we're kind of darting around the, the city and stuff. Uh, but then we've still got, you know, 5,000 pounds of towing capacity. We've still got extra cargo space and, and that gasoline range that we can use uh, when we need it, you know, just kind of while we wait for, uh, you know, a bit more fast charging infrastructure to come onto the prairies here. Nice. And is that the XC90 recharge? Would that be classified as a recharge or was that before the recharge? Yeah, so it would be qualified as a recharge now if you were to go and buy a new one. Yeah. Uh, at the time, they called it a T8. Uh, and so Which was less at, confusing than, than it is now. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was less confusing. It's like they've got the T5 and the T6 and the T8. And the way that you know that it's a plug-in hybrid other than you know looking for the charging port door uh, is to look on the on the back uh, hatch, and if it's got T8 on it, then it's a, it's the plug-in hybrid. 
uh, of, you know, whether it's an XC40 or an XC60 or an XC90, you know, whatever in the Volvo yeah. lineup, if it's a T8, it's the plug-in hybrid. So, uh, you know, I think the recharge is probably a little bit better uh, nomenclature for, you know, identifying it as, as an electric. Although now, I mean, it seems like they're muddying the waters a little bit and that, you know, they've got the XC40, which is a fully electric, uh, but they've still yeah. got the XC60 and the XC90 that are plug-in hybrids. So, and then they've got the Polestar engineered stuff in there for, for performance now with this model years, the new, new model year as well. So they're kind of bringing in a bunch of different names and terms. And, and with the Volvo, are you uh, able to use full electric even in actual winter winter? Um, because I believe not, the Volt, it just switches over to a gas once it gets below a certain temperature. Yeah, like it's, you know, I find that it's it's uh, fairly aggressive on wanting to kind of do the engine maintenance stuff um, that you would, you would see in the Volt and, you know, the Volt or the Prius Prime, kind of those sorts of vehicles, yeah. you know, they occasionally want to burn some gasoline through the, through the engine just to kind of keep the engine in working condition and make sure you're not uh, keeping your gasoline until it's gone stale. Uh, I find that the Volvo is, is so far has been pretty aggressive on wanting to at least use a little bit of gas on every trip. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, in, in the fall weather and in the spring here, you know, I've been able to have some trips that are mostly uh, fully electric. Um, in the winter, though, it does kind of, you know, you're, you're always going to be using some gasoline for, um, for heat just because, uh, you know, it's got this preference to, to be able to use that, that spot for, for generating some heat. Uh, rather than using the battery, although it is able to use the battery, but as well, like, you know, one of the nice features of it is that if it's plugged in, you know, it can just uh, precondition off the wall very much as, as our Bolt does. Uh, and so it can kind of, you know, heat up the seats, heat up the steering wheel, heat up the cabin, all on electric. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you've got it parked in a garage, you know, you don't have to worry about opening a garage door or anything. Yeah. Um, and so it's very nice in that way. And, you know, if you, if you kind of give it enough time and you build up enough heat, uh, then you might not have to, uh, to, you know, engage the engine, have it engage the engine right away to generate heat. Uh, if not, then, you know, it, it might still do that, but, uh, and then, then it's also able to use that heater to provide a bit of initial heat while the engine is still kind of warming up to temperature. Uh, and so you kind of still get that instant heat that you, you know, you become familiar with, with the yeah. fully electric vehicles, uh, until it can kind of then go back to the, back to the engine block for, for the heat. So. Okay. And uh, wh what's the longest trip you've taken so far uh, fully electric? Uh, fully electric. So, so it probably would be that trip that we took back, um, back uh, at Christmas time in, um, I guess that would have been December, 2019 now. Um, so we drove from, from Saskatoon. Um, uh, we actually ended up going all the way to, to Winnipeg uh, on that trip. And so that's probably the longest trip that we've done fully electric so far. Which is also a great time to do those long trips as in the winter. You're one of the few people I know that actually do long trips in the winter. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a good experience. It, it uh, you know, it took a little bit more charging time just because you have extra heat required and, and because you would you'd start charging into the, the slower parts of the charging curve as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the locations, the fast charging network on the TransCanada is good. Uh, but it would be, you know, nice to have them a little bit closer together, uh, just so that you're not kind of having to get into that 80% range and stuff, yeah. uh, in the winter when you're traveling, but, but yeah, I mean, it was a good trip and, you know, that's the nice thing about Christmas is that you typically have a little bit more time, uh, to be able to visit family in, in various different locations. And so that's, that's kind of what we did with that trip. We, uh, visited some family in Brandon, we visited some family in Winnipeg, 
uh, and and yeah, we were able to drive drive electric the whole time. And that was actually before uh, the Portage of the Prairie uh, Petro Canada station was online, uh, and so we were able to to do that trip, um, you know, without having to rely on that station. Nice. And did you find you had to sacrifice the heat uh, or conserve? I guess not sacrifice, but mm. conserve uh, heat to conserve the range uh, much on that trip? Or No, the, the, the biggest thing I think was the, the leg from Saskatoon to Moose Jaw. Uh, you know, I, I think I only drove at 100 ki uh, kilometers per hour uh, on that leg versus the, the speed limit that's 110. Yeah. Uh, so I reduced my speed a little bit there. Uh, and I might have turned down the temperature in the cabin by a degree or two, but like not significant. Like it would still would have been like 18 or 19 degrees or something like that. So we didn't Although, really have to sacrifice too much. That is the nice part about electrics. If you need a little more range, there's all the little tricks we can do to get that little bit more out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and that's kind of something that, that, you know, you often want to remind people is that, you know, the, there are lots of options available to you to, to get a little bit more range if you find that you need it, you know, dropping your speed is the most significant piece, but, you know, also being able to kind of reduce your, your cabin temperature or, or, you know, various different items like that. So. Um, now to be positive, negative, um, <laughs> what is the worst part about uh, your bolt? And it could uh, so, be something even minor. Like I know with my Kona, it's the hard plastic. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, it's probably, I'm going to fall into kind of one of those bolt owners and say it's the front seats, okay. uh, the, you know, kind of the front seat comfort, you know, that, yeah. that took a little bit of getting used to. Uh, in the end, we were able to kind of pad the bottom seats a little bit and get a, a aftermarket uh, back cushion. Um, and, and those kind of measures helped quite a bit. And, and now, you know, we're generally pretty comfortable in the vehicle. Um, but you know that took a little bit of getting used to when we first got it, and it's it's good to hear that they've uh, focused on improving that with the 2022 model. That's a thing. That was what three years of seat complaints before they started changing them. But uh... yeah, like you know, there were always rumors that they they had improved it a little bit here or there, and you know, I'd occasionally talk to the dealership and they'd check the part numbers and they'd say no, they're still the same and uh, that sort of thing. So you know, it's it's you know if you're looking at somebody like tesla right that's where you know they have i think a little bit of an advantage and that you know they can iterate more quickly uh you know for better or worse sometimes but uh but in an instance like that you know i know uh tesla was kind of able to respond a little bit more quickly to some of the concerns they had around their seating uh where yeah you know it took you know gms a few years to be able to to kind of properly hopefully you know it sounds like it through the re reviews but hopefully properly deal with that yeah. problem, so. And now to be positive, what is the best feature of your Bolt? Uh, best feature of the Bolt, you know, I think it's, you know, it, this is a, a bit of a typical answer, I guess, but it, it's, you know, it's not, it's just not burning gas, right? It's not having to visit the gas station, right? It's, you know, going out to your car every morning um, and having, you know, a full battery. Uh, and being able to go and, you know, do all your running around and everything else and come back, plug it in and, you know, not have to worry about it. Right. And then just next morning when you go back out, it's, it's full again and ready to go. So, you know, that's, that's an easy thing to get used to. That's an easy thing to kind of process to slide into. And, you know, after that, then, uh, and obviously, you know, we still have to buy gas for our plug-in hybrid, uh, you know, it just kind of becomes a bit of an annoyance and you almost kind of get, get stuck inside EV um, mindset as well, where, 
you know, you're like, oh, you know, I can show up at home with, you know, 10 or 15% of range remaining. And that's no big deal because I can plug it in and charge it overnight and it's ready to go the next morning. Uh, but you don't necessarily want to do that with a gasoline vehicle, right? You want to make sure you have enough range that you can get to the gas station. Uh, and so I've caught myself on that a couple of times where I, I you know, squeeze the, the gas vehicles down a little bit further than I probably should. And then I have to, you know, be careful on my way to get the gas station to make sure I'll get there. So that is the one nice thing. We, we are a one car family, so it was okay. all electric. So at least I, I just have to worry about it with the company vehicle. Mm -hmm. I have to get towed. It's still being paid by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess the other thing that actually has just been, I just recently thought of, have you gotten a window squeegee yet? Or what do you do about cleaning the windows of your bolt? Because I never really thought of it until I, I noticed that my windows of my Kona is dirty more often, going through a lot more wash fluid, trying to keep it clean. And then I got thinking about it and it's, I would go to the gas station about once a week, clean my windows. And now oh, I don't okay. do that. So. Yeah, we, um, yeah, I don't really say that we do anything special on that. You know, we do try and, you know, keep it somewhat clean, you know, just to kind of keep the salt off of it and that sort of thing. So we do go through the car wash occasionally for that. Uh, and then otherwise, you know, it, it is, um, yeah, it's just kind of keeping the windshield washer fluid stocked and just kind of washing the windows as necessary. And obviously it's nice that, you know, the Petro Canada stations and such, you know, do have squeegees there. So, yeah. I mean, you can, if you're on a highway trip, you can stop and, and wash your windows. That's actually a little bit of a quirk of the, the bolt though, is that it doesn't actually have uh, a sensor to tell you when the windshield washer fluid is running low. Uh, and so you just, you just, you'll, you'll be like cleaning the back window and then all of a sudden you'll run out of fluid. Mm. And then that's kind of your warning, right? That you got like a little bit, you know, a couple more squeezes for the front window and you're going to be out. And so that's kind of your warning signal, but it just, it's a little bit odd, right? And, you know, with how technologically advanced, yeah. you know, uh, all of these EVs are including the Bolt, uh, but it doesn't have, you know, a, a, a low sensor for the windshield washer fluid. So. Especially when you think of it on the grand scheme, it's probably a $5 part for these yeah. manufacturers yeah it's always it's always a little bit funny to see some of the the sacrifices that they've made for for whatever reasons that they had when they were going through the engineering process right and uh so i guess now that we are about 20 minutes in for those that don't actually know uh jason is the founder of uh Sasky v um but i've on your website, I don't know if you created it or somebody else has, but uh, I know you do have uh, an inventory list, um, but what has your experience been with the dealerships, like even for your own vehicle or uh, with the dealership list or even with dealerships choosing to sell electrics or willing to sell electrics? Yeah. So, and so that's kind of, you know, our process of shopping for, for, you know, ultimately our bolt in 2017 is kind of where the SAS TV stuff came from uh, because we had kind of built that inventory list, right? Uh, I mentioned that we were kind of test driving everything we could get our hands on in the province. And so we had built up this inventory list for ourselves so that we would know what was available and what we test driven already and what we were still looking to, to drive. Um, and then kind of at the end of the process, once we knew that, you know, we were going to go to the Bolt and we were about to buy, uh, we thought, well, you know, you know, my wife and I kind of thought, well, it would be a shame to just, you know, delete this list after we've kind of put so much effort into it. 
Uh, and so we put it up online, and I think in October 2017, before we actually got our bolt. Uh, and then, you know, we've just been updating it uh, every month ever since. And it's interesting, you know, we do a, a new blog post every month for it. And so it's actually kind of interesting to go back through the months on the website and kind of see how much it's changed through the years. Uh, you know, kind of see where we started with uh, for inventory in the province and, and where we are now. So, um, you know, with the dealerships, um, you know, we, we've generally had good experiences with, uh, with the dealerships. Um, you know, I think that there was a little bit of, you know, the, the, the OEMs, the automakers would kind of send them vehicles, uh, you know, once they were certified to sell EVs um, and they wouldn't always necessarily uh, know what to do with them. Um, and I think that's kind of where we tried to help them a little bit to kind of provide, you know, a centralized spot where people could look and see what there were for plug-in vehicles in the province uh, and kind of, you know, then get them, you know, kind of going through the same process that we went through, right? Uh, going to test drive what they're interested in and what's available and, um, and you know, brought a little bit more attention to, to some of that inventory that kind of was sitting on the lots, you know? And I think that's kind of really changed uh, in the last few years here uh, in that, you know, we just kind of have some vehicles kind of show up sporadically um, over the course of a year or so, uh, and you would never really know when they would come in. Um, whereas now it's, you know, it's starting to be a lot more deliberate where, you know, major models are launching and, you know, then they show up on lots, you know, a few months later and, and typically a lot of interest uh, for them. You know, it's, uh, I've, I've been trying to, to test drive a Ford Mach-E uh, over the last little while here just for kind of my own interest, um, but they keep selling before I can get, my, get myself on a lot to test drive it. So, uh, you know, there's just so much interest in them now. Uh, that, you know, especially with these kind of marquee models when they come out, uh, you know, they don't stick around very long, so. And are you finding that the dealerships are now contacting you to let you know, hey, we got three whatever electrics coming in, or is it still you contacting them to kind of get their, see if they have anything? Yeah, so it's a mix, I'd say. Um, we certainly have some dealerships where, yeah, like, you know, as soon as they get something on the lot, they're uh, they're contacting me via email or Facebook Messenger or whichever to say, you know, yeah, we got we got some new inventory on the lot, uh, and I'll you know tell them great and go update the website. Uh, and then there's a few who um, who you know it's still kind of more you know us watching their websites, us watching their their lots um, to kind of see when the inventory arrives and then and then update it there. So I'm gonna do the political deal first. Just because I know okay. it just came up. Um, the how I guess how do you feel that the I believe it was $150 a year uh, mm -hmm. tax that Saskatchewan wants to put on electric vehicles? How do you feel that that will impact the sales of EVs? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a disappointing move, I think, by the province. Um, you know, here in Saskatchewan, we haven't had uh you know much if anything really for assistance when it comes to uh to electric vehicles you know we we haven't had sas power make any kind of significant moves on electric vehicle charging infrastructure uh you know we haven't had any recent uh incentives um in the last several years here for for electric vehicles uh and so i think it was disappointing to see that kind of the first move that they were that the government was looking to make uh was to kind of introduce an ev tax um of yeah of 150 dollars um per year um 
you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure exactly how, how much of an impact it's going to have. You know, they were, um, the government so far has been uh, comparing it a lot with uh, a similar fee that was imposed in California last year. Uh, and, you know, with that fee, there was actually, I think it was, I want to say the University of California um, had, had kind of looked at it to try and figure out what the impact of it would be. Uh, and they were estimating that there could be a 10 to 24% drop uh, in, in EV sales um, because of that fee. Um, and of course, you know, California is in a much different spot than Saskatchewan is as far as, you know, incentives and, and electric vehicles, you know, available on dealership lots uh, and um, charging infrastructure and all of those things, right? And so they have, have a lot of those pieces going for them uh and th that we don't have and so you know i think you know i think just you know just having the tax in existence i think is going to create a bit of a mental barrier for people um you know not even really considering what the what the cost of it is uh and so you know that's that's just going to be an additional disincentive that um that people are going to have to overcome um when they're looking at an electric vehicle and and has there been any word of how they're going to be doing it like are they just going to send out a bill with essentially your renewal of your registration or yeah so we have a Saskatchewan government insurance here so SGI uh, they're a crown corporation that does auto insurance and uh, they're going to be applying it uh, at the time of registration um, and so starting October 1st um, whenever the the vehicle comes back up for registration again um, that'll be that extra $150 fee tacked onto it uh, at that time uh, that, that will need to be paid is my understanding of it. Um, and then at this time, it's only going to, they're proposing that it would only um, uh, apply to fully electric vehicles, uh, but they say they're, they're considering whether or not they would want to impose it on, on hybrids and plug-in hybrids as well. Oh well, yeah, you got to get both the gas tax and the extra fees from them. Um, but Okay, so now going from the necessary evil to the fun <laughs> stuff, uh, starting Sask EV as an association, right? Are you guys an association now or? Yeah, we incorporated last year. So, okay. so we're now incorporated as Sask EV Society Inc. So what has the process looked like or have you found that there's much hurdles in essentially sort of an oil rich province uh saying hey we want to kind of promote electric vehicles and start a group promoting it um you know the group just kind of grew organically so i mean we, we started with the website and the inventory list um in, in october 17 and then in i think it was april or may uh we we kind of did our first in-person event and you know we invited kind of you know, various uh, other EV owners that we knew of in, in the city and that we found on PlugShare and such. Uh, and we kind of got together and chatted and, and you know, had a good experience. And then kind of from there, you know, as, as we kind of grew our base and we became more interested in doing, um, in doing kind of outreach events. And, you know, I think people are really, I think, you know, there, there's sometimes a little bit of a knowledge gap still as far as, um, uh, you know, what people's awareness of, of vehicles are. I remember, you know, the first National Drive Electric Week event I did, uh, I was there with a, a Ford Fusion Energy um, from the local dealership, uh, so, so a plug-in hybrid. And uh, I had 
I think it was a couple walked by and they kind of asked, oh, you know, did you bring this up from California for the show today? Uh, and I was like, no, you know, it's just about five kilometers over there at the dealership where it usually sits. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's just been kind of, uh, you know, a bit of the experience so far is that, you know, people aren't, people aren't hostile uh, about it. You know, I mean, obviously things are a little bit different online at times. Um, but, you know, in person, people aren't hostile. Typically, they're quite inquisitive about it. They're, they're interested to learn more about it. Uh, and even in the last few years here, I really noticed a difference as far as people, you know, admitting that it is the future, right? We might still disagree as far as like what the time frame of that yeah. is still. Um, but, you know, generally people are, are admitting now that, you know, this is the way things are going to go in the future. And so I think that just makes them more interested uh, to want to learn more about about how they work and what our experiences are like with them. And, and I know here in Winnipeg, we have the World of Wheels. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have an event like that in Saskatoon? Uh, so we have a few car shows, um, uh, indoor and kind of otherwise. Uh, and so, you know, we've, we've tried to kind of take part in a few of those. Um, we, we did, uh, so the local uh, environmental group, the Saskatchewan Environmental Society, for a few years, they would put on events called the Living Green Expo. Uh, and so in 2019, in spring of 2019, we took part in that. And, um, you know, they were kind of generous with giving us some booth space. And, and we were able to get one of our members to take in a vehicle that was going to be, you know, it was a big commitment for them because they were uh, committing to have their vehicle in the hall for, for two days, I think it was two or three days actually. Um, but we were able to have it in there and we were able to show it and people were able to walk by and take a look at it uh, and kind of learn a bit more about it there. And then we also had vehicles outside where people could kind of take uh, test rides. And then we actually got some of the dealerships to bring models down as well so that uh, some of them could even be taken for test drives as well. Uh, and so, you know, that was, a, that was a good event and, you know, people had good experience. And then we've been, you know, up until COVID, we had been working to do more kind of uh, outside uh, car shows and, you know, more, more car shows, more parades, you know, even some of the smaller town stuff uh, to, to kind of get in front of more people who haven't seen, seen these vehicles before. And I mean, you know, doing a parade, you know, if, if anybody's ever organizing uh, an EV parade, it's, it's really great, great to get a, a Tesla Model X because, you know, you get a Model X at the back of the line and Get the falcon wing doors to go up and it's just you just hear all the kids screaming oh my god it's a tesla and it's just you know it's it's you know the greatest greatest thing in the world right to, to see how excited they are about uh about the teslas and about the electric vehicles and such and you know sometimes the kids are even more knowledgeable and uh knowledgeable about it than, than their parents even so oh yeah like i i know even with my kona there's not there's enough distinctive stuff that you kind of know it's electric, but it's not jump out at you that it's electric. And mm -hmm. I even see you have the kids that obviously know about electric vehicles. They kind of look and checking it out type deal. They know it's electric. Most other people will not know it's electric. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely getting out there. Uh, and the young kids are the ones that are, I think, going to make this grow way quicker um, than mm -hmm. most think. Yeah, we're well, seeing where the ne next generation is, is looking and what their interests are. And and yeah, you know, very much the same with us, right? Our Bolt, you know, doesn't scream the fact that it's an electric yeah. typically, um, but it's nice with a parade because you're kind of close enough to people uh, that they can kind of tell that, you know, there's no there's no exhaust, you know, there's no, there's no engine noises or anything like that. So 
uh, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of be a little bit more personal while you're driving the vehicle. So, because your bolt still makes a noise, like you have that pedestrian, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it makes a little bit of a noise, but you know, I, I don't, I, I prefer it to some of the other noises that I've heard. It's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty innocuous. You don't really hear it, hear it that much. You know, you, I only really ever notice it when I put it in park and it turns off. Uh, but otherwise, it's kind of good as far as you know kind of white noise not too loud not too uh not too busy i guess would be the, yeah. the term but you know enough to kind of you know you know know that it's there at least so and with uh doing more of the car shows have you found like i know you i was a car guy before i got into electrics i actually only got into electrics because i was that kid that wanted you know, the Chevette with the big motor, the quietest exhaust I can get on it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted just that quiet, silent killer, essentially. Um, and, and then Tesla came out with the Model S. And it's like, yes, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. I do have a wife that's an environmental uh, specialist, I guess, is her position now. Mm -hmm. so I, use, I use that, the environmental side, to kind of steer to mm -hmm. what I want. Mm -hmm. Um but uh, do you find with the car shows, you got the guys that are kind of very negative towards electrics? Um, you know, not so much. You know, they're, they're kind of interested and they, they come over and, you know, they kind of take a look under the hood and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's, there's not a lot under there. <laughs> it's like, no, you know, there's a bunch of electric components. But, you know, there's, there's a reason why uh, many models can kind of fit a front crate is, is, yeah, there's not as much going on under there um and so so you know they're they're never derisive or anything you know they kind of come over and they take a look and, and they're interested and uh you know i don't know that we're we're convincing them on the first try uh to to switch to electric um but uh you know i think it's you know you know they're they're eager to, to learn more about about how it works and, and what the differences are so what has the biggest struggle been in essentially getting to the association side of uh the eve of the group um you know i think it's kind of trying to to balance you know volunteer time and and uh and you know trying to to avoid um you know some of the overhead i guess as well you know that was one of the reasons why we waited a little bit before we did incorporate uh was just because we didn't want to to have to spend volunteer time and resources on some of the overhead items you know eventually it just kind of becomes necessary because you want to you know accept sponsorship and you want to accept donations and you know you, you want you don't necessarily want to take on as much personal liability um for for events and that sort of thing and so eventually it gets to the point where you just kind of need to um but it was something that we we kind of tried to, to do without for a little while um but yeah i think you know figuring out you know what kind of events um you know you want to do what kind of events are are going to kind of help you with your cause uh and then you know resourcing them as far as as kind of funding them um through sponsors and donations and and getting volunteers to assist you and and juggling vehicles sometimes right like um the last uh, the last kind of proper uh national drive electric week event i did in in 2019 before COVID hit um you know we had we had quite a, quite a number of vehicles there i'm not sure if we had I want to say we had like 20 models and 30 vehicles or something like that there. Uh, and so, I mean, you, you know, we're, we're trying to get as many different models on, on site as possible so they can kind of be a one-stop shop for people. 
but it ends up being, you know, a lot of juggling with, um, with uh, you know, various different dealers as far as, you know, what they have on the lot, what they can bring out, uh, you know, whether or not they can provide salespeople. You know, that was one of the reasons why we switched from, from Saturday to Sunday that year for, for our events was so that, you know, uh, salespeople from the dealerships could attend um, with the vehicles just because that, that makes it work a little bit easier. Uh, and then, you know, working with your membership as well and working with, you know, local owners groups like the, like the Tesla owners group um, to make sure that, you know, they're going to be bringing out, out their group and, and their vehicles and, you know, a variety of models as well. So that, you know, it's, it's not just a lot of model, th model threes, you know, we get some model S's in there and some model X's and we, you know, we have, um, you know, we have a good spread of models so that people can kind of look at what they're, what they're interested in. Awesome. Um, and I know Saskatchewan, uh, with sort of how small of an EV group you guys are, you do have two different electric vehicle associations. You have the Saskatoon and the Saskatchewan. Do you guys find you're overlapping much or kind of one works the north, one works the south end of the province or? Yeah, you know, we have a we have a good working relationship um, with them. We kind of both groups that uh, we actually had a Saskatchewan Electric Vehicle Club um, before uh, before our groups formed. Um, and, and then that kind of group dissolved. And then about the same time, uh, this the group out of Regina, the Saskatchewan Electric Vehicle Association, uh, and then our group SaskEV in, in Saskatoon formed. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's generally just, you know, we kind of do stuff up around Saskatoon. You know, we've done events in in Prince Albert and North Battleford and, and Davidson and places like that. Uh, you know, they kind of manage the events uh, in and around Regina. Uh, and then, you know, we just kind of kind of talk back and forth when there's items that kind of uh, require a unified response. And so, uh, you know, this week with the with the uh, EV tax um, that was announced with the budget, uh, you know, we've been doing that a lot. Where where um, so so Matthew Pointer is the the president with SEVA. Uh, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm talking with him a fair bit and, and I'm also talking with Tyler Coase, who's, who's one of our board members, but is also the president of the, the Tesla owners group. Uh, and so, you know, the three of us are kind of often talking and, uh, and then we're talking with our respective boards as well to kind of make sure that, you know, on the, on the items where we want a unified response and on the items where we need to be on the same page, uh, you know, we are, um, and then, you know, we're, where uh, Saskibi and Siva are also involved with the, the EV Society um, out of Ontario, uh, so that, you know, then we can kind of also have a unified response nationally as well. Uh, and I know that uh, that MEVA, uh, the Manitoba Electric Vehicle Association, um, it, you know, is also involved with that as well, so. And do you find, uh, I guess there's less burnout having the two different groups so that you're not trying to focus your attention on a whole province that, yeah you know manageable then yeah it's you know it, it's good i think to just have be kind of focused on on stuff locally especially when you're kind of trying to manage events and when you're trying to manage dealers and and that sort of thing as far as you know getting vehicles and and times and stuff for for events and vehicles uh you know i think it's nice to have that kind of you know local outreach and and know that you know you're you're able to just kind of kind of worry and focus about the saskatoon stuff uh, and you're not having to, to worry about, you know, say the Regina stuff, uh, because Regina is, you know, almost three hours away from Saskatoon. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a trek um, to have to go down there to, to, you know, manage or focus on events or that sort of thing. So, and especially when you start looking at a monthly meeting or whatever, 
if you're yeah. doing it during the week it's a three hour drive for yeah. if you're up in regina three hour drive for the saskatoon group or if you're up in saskatoon it's a three hour drive for those guys well i guess yeah. six because they got to go back home also mm -hmm. so. and and even infrastructure right like we we have a tesla supercharger um at the midway point in davidson now but we still don't have a universal fast charger there uh, and we don't have a, a, you know, good fast charging options in Saskatoon yet. We don't have a supercharger here yet. We don't have a, a proper public um, fast charger here. So, uh, so even kind of some of the the details around that, right? Uh, as far as actually being able to travel with electric vehicles, you know, it's a little bit trickier. So, and has any building started at the Canadian Tire in Saskatoon? Because I know when I was up there in August, I was using the Audi dealership. Mm -hmm. um not yet i'm i you know i have been speaking with canadian tire um this year and uh you know they they seem you know very motivated to want, kind of want to get these sites uh under construction um but we haven't seen seen anything yet it might still be a, a little bit early just as far as you know ground thawing and that sort of thing you know the the last of the snow and ice just melted off my front yard here this morning uh so uh you know we're still kind of getting a little bit into construction season, but uh, but hopefully it'll it'll start soon, uh, and we can get those those up and running. Because yeah, that's supposed to be a two stall uh, station at the Preston Crossing Canadian Tire here in Saskatoon. And, and I know uh, there's the NR Can um, yeah. grant that most of these groups are uh, getting. Are you guys helping any of these companies get those or? Are you just kind of watching, seeing who's getting them or what is your guys' involvement with that? Because I know on Facebook, you guys are really good at showing uh, who's getting them and all that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're just trying to, we're, we don't play too much of a hands-on role. Uh, we kind of know the local organizations, you know, nationally and, and locally here on the prairies as well um, that are kind of involved um, as far as trying to kind of, you know, get sites together. Uh, and that's especially been a, been a situation with uh, some of the NRCAN projects because some of them have a, a 20, 20 unit minimum. Uh, and, you know, still kind of here on the prairies uh, and, and in Saskatchewan, you know, having kind of one location uh, wanting to put in 20 chargers, uh, you know, that's still, you know, very rare to, to yeah. have that sort of a site. Uh, and so that's where some of the local organizations, uh, I think EcoWest is one of them. Uh, you know, where they'll kind of try and work with a few different sites to kind of get them together into one application uh, so that they can kind of hit that 20 minimum. And so it's working with organizations like that and then, you know, working with some of the national charging providers like Sun Country Highway and Charge Points and Flow and, and you know, those kinds of organizations that kind of put them in touch with the, the local um, areas uh, that, you know, are interested in, in providing EV charging, so. And what are... What is a group are you guys looking for? More level twos or more level threes? Or is it a nice mixture of both that you guys would prefer? So the biggest challenges I think right now for us, I think are probably on the DC fast charge side for the level threes. Uh, and then also the level twos uh, for, for condos and, and apartments. And so uh, you'll often see them called MERBs, uh, multi-unit residential buildings uh, in, in kind of the NRCAN, you know, details and paperwork and that sort of thing. And so those are kind of been our, our focus for the last little while here because you know we've got a few we've got a few apartments and condo uh, owners who who have EVs 
um, but they struggle to charge at home still, right? Um, you know, sometimes they can get a level one charge um, depending on the property, uh, but sometimes they can't even get that. And so, and then of course we don't have uh, good DC fast charging options yeah. in the city. And so then they're left to, to kind of find a public level two charger and kind of, you know, be able to leave it there long enough to, to be able to get a full charge. Uh, and so that's, that's been kind of a focus of ours that's just trying to find ways to encourage more, um, you know, condo units, more condo boards, uh, more apartments to kind of offer that um, and kind of make sure that they're aware of, um, you know, the different options. Uh, and then, you know, make sure that we're aware as well of the different properties that are offering that, you know, uh, I think, you know, competition can be a powerful force on these things. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, if we can just kind of amplify uh, the units that do already offer uh, some of these things, then I think that can kind of go a long way as far as, uh, you know, drivers and, you know, kind of future drivers, uh, you know, being able to put themselves into a property where they're going to be able to get that charging. And then at the same time, incentivize the other units uh, to want to put something in so that, you know, they're not losing, uh, they're not using, um, losing people who are living in their properties. Uh, and they're still attracting people who want to kind of come and live in their properties. Um, like I said, even if that's, you know, whether they're current EV drivers or just something that they're thinking about wanting to do in the next year or two, um, because obviously you don't want to have to, to move every time you, you buy a new car. Um, and so I think just having that is going to become more of an attraction for people. So, so that's a big level two side. And then the other side is, is the DC fast charging. Uh, and I mean, it, it's a little bit tricky because, you know, Saskatchewan, you know, obviously we've got, you know, wide open spaces, um, you know, we don't have, you know, the major lakes that, that are in Ontario or Manitoba to kind of, you know, constrain our corridors. We don't have the mountains that they have in British Columbia. Uh, and so we've got a lot of highways um, and, you know, trying to kind of get uh, coverage on the corridors uh, so that, you know, people can travel home, travel to visit family, travel for the weekend, uh, you know, with an electric vehicle, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done to kind of get those corridors covered off and get the, the footprint expanded so that that's an option uh, for people. So, so that's, you know, it's, it's a challenge here because, you know, I think, I think it's 40% of our population is in our four largest cities, um, Regina, Saskatoon, Prince Albert, and Wichita. Uh, and so, you know, we're not, we're not as, um, you know, our, our population is more spread out across yeah. the province. And so, you know, that then ultimately just means that you're looking for more DC fast chargers to be able to, to support people uh, who are wanting to drive across the province. And so that's, that's a challenge, but uh, that's kind of the other piece that we're looking at as well, as well as, you know, having those DC fast chargers in the major communities uh, to kind of help make up for that, those situations where you don't have level two charging um, at the MERB uh, sites. So that it's not that they have to go to a level two and, and get a full charge, it's that they can get a quick charge, you know, while they're getting groceries or something, uh, even if they don't have charging at, at home. Awesome. Um, and I guess in all your time of uh, doing the Saskatchewan EV Association and the hunt and all, is there any interesting stories uh, that you've kind of picked up from that? Oh, interesting stories. Um... You know, it's getting kind of late and putting you on you know, the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something that I, I didn't really think of. You know, it's, I guess the one thing I think of is, is, you know, how much rain we've had to, to go through um, with, with some of our events. Uh, you know, it seemed like, uh, you know, with the National Drive Electric Week stuff, uh, you know, those are, are all events organized out of the states. Uh, 
Uh, and so, you know, the, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they maybe have a bit nicer weather during that time of year, kind of late September, early October, but it seems like it's often a bit rainier for us over the yeah. last few years. And so, uh, you know, we've had that situation where, you know, we've had, we've had lots of kind of different weather conditions in those events uh, that we've had to deal with. From 2019, we actually got pretty lucky. We had Prince Albert was good. It was nice and sunny. Saskatoon was beautiful. It was warm and sunny. Uh, Davidson was even good. We had a nice evening. It was just North Battleford where it just poured the whole time we were there. And so we were, you know, and, and we had a local media show up to take a look at the vehicles. And so we were kind of trying to show them the vehicles while at the same time, you know, staying huddled under ponchos and, and umbrellas and stuff. And so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just the nature of having outdoor events, right? It's yeah. like, you know, it's, you're, you're going to get caught occasionally. So. And it's usually the time that you do have all the media and all that show up. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, well, we've had events as well where, I think it was MD the previous year, maybe, where the very start of the event was good, the very end of the event was good, but the middle was just lousy. It was like, I think it was like pouring rain and it was cold. And then I think it kind of started sleeting. Uh, and so it was just like really unpleasant. Uh, but you know, our members were really good about it, right? They invited people into their vehicles and you know, people were able to experience kind of the extra, uh, the instant heats and the, the heated seats and all the rest of it. And kind of show off the vehicles and then they just kind of run from one model to the next uh and jump in the cabin so they could take a look uh and then afterwards you know we got some coffee and and donuts and stuff and and you know had a had an okay end to it but yeah the middle of that event was just just a bit unpleasant it's that good old prairie hospitality though yeah exactly <laughs> well and it's kind of up close and personal with the the vehicle yeah. and the owner right and that like we don't want to stand outside in the rain so let's jump in the cabin here and take a look at how these EVs work. Um, and is there, just wrapping it up, cause I know we're getting up to that hour mark. Um, is there anything you would like uh, to tell anybody who's looking at a vehicle and I'm gonna say any of the prairie provinces even or across Canada that you would like to share with anybody? Uh, you know, I, I always encourage people to do lots of test drives. Um, you know, typically people will kind of come into it, you know, like we did where we, you know, you've kind of got a model in mind that you've been looking at. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that's good to kind of start with, with, with the model, you know, whether it's, you know, something like the Leaf or the Bolt or the Cohen or, or the Model 3 or the Model Y. Um, but I always encourage people to kind of do a few test drives, right? Like, you know, find kind of at least, you know, three vehicles or so, uh, yeah. give them a drive and, and, um, you know, kind of getting an experience for it because, you know, there's, there's little differences with all these vehicles and it's hard to kind of identify those without, you know, actually kind of getting into yeah. the driver's seat and taking it for a spin. So, um, and I think, you know, it's, it's as well, you know, just kind of looking at what's available uh, on the dealer lots and, and, um, and then, you know, just kind of, you know, thinking a little bit about, you know, how it's going to integrate into, into your life, right. As far as, you know, how you're going to be doing charging at home, you know, for us, the first 10 months of our, that we had our bolt, we actually just charged on, on 120 volts on a level one charger. Uh, that was our first winter and our first summer and our first spring. And then after that, we got a level two charger uh, at home. And so, um, and, and, you know, we did that just because on some of the colder weeks, you know, we found that the level one was having a little bit uh, of trouble keeping up in the winter, you know, kind of the minus 30 weeks and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we would go on a road trip or something on the weekend in the summer and come back and then you know it would take us a few days to recover and so that's why we ended up getting the level two 
Um, but you know, if people kind of have an idea of what their what their commute is um, and how much driving they do, um, then you know, often you know you can kind of find that you can get started with a level one charger uh, and then move into a level two charger kind of once you feel it's necessary. So. So yeah, you know, get involved with your local uh, EV groups. You know, they're, they're a really great resource. You know, uh, you know, visit the websites. You know, like like ours at www.saskev.ca, uh, and you know, and check out the resources that are, are available there. And and yeah, you know, once you are an owner, you know, get involved uh, because you know that that's one of the biggest pieces right now is the education component. You know, it's a people see it as a big change um, from what they're used to uh, as far as you know going. You know that that standard process of kind of going to the gas station and filling up and then doing your driving and stuff. And so it's a change for people. And whenever you can kind of share your experience with it, you know, it's only going to make them more comfortable to, to make that change for themselves. So. Awesome. So I do thank you for your time. Uh, I know you sort of plugged it, but if anybody is looking for you guys, how can they find you? Yeah. So our website's www.saskev.ca. Uh, and we're also on, you know, a variety of social media. It's kind of all linked on the website, but we're, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram. And, and they're all really busy this week <laughs> with, with the EV tax uh, debate that's happening in this province. So if you're, if you're looking for a lot of reading to do, you know, uh, that's, that's a great spot to start this week. Um, you are interested in discussing taxes and politics, you're in luck. Oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is the week for you, so uh so yeah so yeah you know feel free to yeah reach out and engage with us and, and awesome. we're, we're happy to, to have people so and i'll put the link to your guys's website in the little show notes and uh it was awesome chatting with you yeah thanks so much james thanks for having me on thanks for your time have a great day i want to thank jason again so much for his time and the knowledge that he gave us and all the great stuff that they're doing in saskatoon and Saskatchewan as a whole, um, between him and Saskatchewan Electric Vehicle Association. If you are in the Saskatoon area, I would highly recommend you guys go take a look at saskev.ca. That's Jason's group. That's the Saskatoon Electric Vehicle Association. If you're outside of Saskatoon, more in the Regina area, uh, go take a look at the Saskatchewan Electric Vehicle Association and join up with them. Uh, and help to help encourage all the great stuff that they are doing there and the expansion of the electric vehicles and the fighting of the carb or not the carbon tax electric vehicle tax they got going that they may have going on hopefully that doesn't come about but who knows with the governments um i'd also recommend you guys go check out kilowatts podcast and EV Resource, those guys have way more news knowledge and way more just knowledge overall uh, with them. I'd also had, have you guys go check out my Facebook, Twitter, or uh, yeah, Facebook and Twitter are the main ones I use to communicate via uh, social media. <laughs> and uh, so... Both can be found at, uh, so Twitter is EV underscore North, and Facebook is True North EV. If you guys want, you could go take a look at YouTube. I haven't really posted much with the whole COVID deal. Not a whole lot to post. Um, so I do thank you guys so much for your time. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me. You could email me at truenorthev at gmail.com or truenorthevpodcast at gmail.com. They both go to the same place. 
So feel free, good, bad, indifferent, feel free to reach out to me. Thank you and have a great day.